Hey, what's up, everybody? My name's MJ, and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine Podcast. As usual, I'd like to give a quick shout-out before we begin to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like to utilize this opportunity to give a huge shout-out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash mtgandquarantine. So a huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Nick S, Infamous Fridge, Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach j Geek Beardly, and Scoop Face for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash mtgandquarantine for more information. And right now, you can pick up your very own MTG in Quarantine brand of playmat over at Inked Gaming. That is I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Got two different versions. They both look absolutely killer. So pick one up for you and for all of your friends. Again, that is Inked Gaming. I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Search MTG in Quarantine. All proceeds help the channel and is greatly appreciated. And you're also going to have an amazing playmat to show all of your friends. One last bit, I will be at Command Fest Bellevue in a few weeks in Bellevue, Washington. Definitely come on out on Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday to meet with me, talk to me, play a game, and maybe get a picture of me in my Tireless Tracker cosplay. So make sure that if you are going to be at Command Fest Bellevue on the weekend of the 22nd through the 24th, that you say hi. Anyway, so the topic of today's episode is going to be a little bit different than the than the norm here, but it, you know, it's still a very interesting commander experience that I really want to talk about. So without further ado, I'd like to reintroduce a returning guest and patron of this podcast and member of my personal play group, Nick. Welcome back. Thank you for having me, MJ. Hey, no, so, no, no uh, problem. Last week, I hosted a get-together at my house. I've been playing for a very long time, and the objective was to just brew a deck. Um... So I had a section full of multicolored commanders, and I just said, uh, take your pick, just go through it, find something interesting, janky. I've been opening a lot of Baldur's Gate, mm-hmm. so that's cool, definitely. Um, and we just said, have at it. So I brewed Anya, Maid of Dishonor. Mm-hmm. Straight out of, uh, let's see, that was Crimson Vow, right? Crimson Vow, yep. yeah, with the blood tokens. Yep. You want to yes, quickly read um, out what Anya does? Yeah, I have her out right now. Anya is a Rakdos 4-5 legendary vampire. When she or one or more other vampires enter the battlefield under your control, create a blood token. This ability triggers only once each turn. And then two colorless, sacrifice another creature or blood token. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Mm-hmm. So I built this kind of as a traditional Rakdos aristocrats, but just with a lot of stuff I had in my deck building box. So the usual suspects like Falcon Wrath Noble, um, Blood Artist, Pond of Ulamog, you know. <laughs> yeah, it just pings people. But what I'm excited about is cards from like Modern Horizons 2, Feast mm-hmm. of Sanity, <laughs> four mana black enchantment, Whenever you discard a card, it deals one damage to any target, and you gain one life. So because a blood token forces you to discard a card by paying mm-hmm. one colorless and tapping it, and then you draw a card, I just thought, well, I'm going to be discarding, so I might as well just capitalize on those discards. Um, Black Red really likes to discard. It likes to go hellbent. 
Um, Got to mm-hmm. find all those synergies. For sure, for sure. Uh, funny thing, thing about, yeah. yeah. Funny, funny thing, uh, anecdote about the game that we played after there was that you kept running out of cards, and the blood tokens ended up not being useful. Oddly <laughs> enough, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of part of just building a deck is that you, you do run into those, you run into those issues like, oh, I didn't account for this. I I tend to be one of those people who does just brew decks and doesn't really think about <laughs> certain interactions and how they might play out in person. Hey, you're not the only one. I I do that all the time with with some that I have talked about a lot of episodes on a lot of episodes of this podcast about decks that I have built or am thinking of building, and there are a lot of decks that I don't talk about for a good reason because they don't work out the way that I want them. They sound great in my head, but uh, you know when you start putting them together in paper, they just suck for for one reason or another. It's like I'm probably never gonna play that, but yeah, I I, yeah. I understand. And then, since I enjoy opening booster packs so much, I've been keeping all, all the blood token synergy. So, probably unheard of commons and uncommons, such as a blood hypnotist, a three mana red vampire. It's a three three. Blood hypt- uh, hypnotist cannot block. Whenever you sacrifice one or more blood tokens, target creature can't block this turn. This ability triggers only once each turn. So, not particularly good, but I just. As soon as I saw the blood mechanic, I was like, ooh, this will be interesting. Um, I, I also included Bag of Holding, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a one-mana artifact. Whenever you discard a card, exile that card from your graveyard. Two-mana tap, draw a card, then discard a card. Four-mana tap, sacrifice Bag of Holding, return all cards exiled with Bag of Holding to their owner's hand. Oh, that is gross. That's great. So it's just kind of a payoff for all the discarding you'll have to do. Um... <laughs> I yeah, um, so the usual suspects, aristocrat, payoff stuff, um, crimson vow, um, midnight hunt, and <laughs> I have a foiled dockside chef, which is yep a one two one mana black enchantment creature, human citizen, one colorless one black, sacrifice an artifact or creature, draw a card. Um, not quite as busted as the extortionist, but still, you know. Just, yeah, just, just gonna put the dock side down there and hope people figure out the difference, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I think the rest of the ninety nine is just oh, vampire stuff, um, some card draw, board sweeps, uh, vampire synergy, mana rocks. Um, I'm excited to hear about how you built your deck, though. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Baldur's Gate, I actually pulled a card out of your collection that I wanted to start building around, and. I, I don't know if the people out there, the good people listening to the show, uh, know that I'm kind of a Boros guy. So, yeah, I, 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 as soon as I saw this uh, this card, I knew I had to build around it. And the card I built around was an uncommon from uh, Baldur's Gate. Uh card is Commander Liara Porter. And uh, they are a 5-3 human soldier, costing 3 and Boros colors, red and a white. And reads, whenever you attack, spells you cast from exile this turn, cost X less to cast where X is the number of players being attacked. Exile the top X cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may cast spells from among those exiled cards. So the the thought process about this deck was, I don't really have anything that plays around with Exile. I've been looking at maybe picking up the, the Exile precon from Baldur's Gate, the, the Gruul one with Faldorn, but I figured that this would be kind of a fun deck to build around, especially in kind of our weird little limited format that we were working on that week. Uh, 
because the idea is I like aggressive decks. I like being able to attack people. That's kind of what our pod does for the most part. So being able to get some sort of interesting payoff for attacking multiple people at the same time seemed really nice. So obviously I kind of went more in on the second part of this um, uh, yeah, on the second part of this card, which is exile top X cards your library till an attorney may cast spells from amongst those exile cards. So I really don't have a lot of cards that fit the first half of there, you know, cards like a light up the stage and whatnot, which do exile cards previously. So I, I really couldn't lean into like that part of the EDH rec uh, recommendations there. But I, what I really liked was the ability to try to exile up to three cards per turn and be able to cast them for, you know, for, for less cost. So what I was trying to do with this deck was twofold. I was trying to get a lot of very small creatures out very quickly who could attack really quickly. Maybe not survive, but all I care about is that they can attack. If they survive, it doesn't really matter. I just want to make sure that I can turn them sideways and swing them at one of my opponents. And then hopefully be able to get some nice big haymakers out there on, amongst the exiled cards who I could then cast much cheaper. So really the thought process behind this deck was try to get, again, very aggressive small creatures out there with haste, um, and then just try to get some larger creatures out later in the game to hopefully be able to overwhelm my opponents. And what ended up really happening was the exile, as far as the game was concerned, the exile actually really hurt me because I ended up exiling very useful cards that I couldn't use. Um, so obviously it didn't turn out as well in practice as I wanted it to, but I really liked the idea of being able to run a whole bunch of cards that uh, have been really sitting in my chaff box for the better part of the last two years, but haven't found a home. And also I was able to find a really weird niche use for, uh, for special cards like Raging Goblin. And uh, you're probably asking me what uh, Raging Goblin is. And if you really want to know, Raging Goblin is a 1-1 uh, Goblin with haste, and literally, well, yeah, one one for one with haste. Literally, all it does. And let's see, the original copy is out of Exodus back in what was this ninety eight, and yeah, it, 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 it was a card that I picked up for, for one of my old Goblin decks. But it's like, well, you know, I need a one drop. I need something with haste, and I need something that looks kind of silly. So you know, it checked off all the boxes, and I had a really fun time putting this deck together. I really love the commander. I love the, the concept of trying to play around with the Exile Zone here, trying to be able to rip things off the top of my deck. It's not quite top deck manipulation, but in a way it feels like it. Being able to play Boros, being able to play creatures, being able to play aggressive creatures, being able to mess around with the Exile Zone, being able to potentially reduce the cost of some of the spells I want to be able to cast from Exile, and uh, various things like that. That's really what I enjoyed about this deck, which is really nice given the fact it's only a 4 cent card, but I had a whole hell of a lot more fun than just 4 cents out of this card for that game. Yeah, it was really funny seeing your deck in practice because, well, if you're brewing and you haven't playtested, a lot of things can go wrong. So repeatedly seeing MJ's commander go off and then just hit nothing, <laughs> like a bunch of lands and things he couldn't cast. Uh, yeah, because yeah, again, it's important here. Um, you may cast spells from amongst those exiled cards. If you hit a land, it's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. So again, it's... It's a bit of a shallow card in some ways. It's, it's why it's an uncommon, why a lot of people aren't really looking at this card, because it doesn't have that, you know, vomit synergy. You know, it, it's not going to vomit value, right? The idea is you have to work around a very stringent condition where you're trying to attack everybody simultaneously. So 
This is a card that, you know, in, in our funky little limited format, didn't quite get the fullest potential, I think, but um, right now I'm actually trying to work on actually building a real version of this deck, something using other cards in my collection, thinking about things, picking up a few pieces and whatnot. I like the potential on here. It's just, yeah, the, the limited uh, version of this deck was scattered. We'll just say that much. <laughs> so you're mentioning Rage and Goblin, and I was just reminded of a, a new one drop from Baldur's Gate. It's a super good set. It just doesn't have a ton of valuable stuff in it, mm -hmm. besides the Ancient Dragons. So the card in question is Taunting Kobold, which is a one red mana, a, a zero one Kobold with haste. When it attacks, you go target creature and opponent controls. That's it. I love it. It's just a nice twist on the classic one one hasty goblin. Because we've had power creep on Raging Goblin for quite a number of years now. Um, but I just, I like low to the ground, just goofy mono red creatures in that sense. Mm -hmm. For sure. And and yeah, this deck just wants to try to get as many, as many creatures out as possible. And then hopefully be able to have some larger creatures to make up for the fact that I'm running Raging Goblin. I mean, a 1-1's one not exactly going to break a game even in sealed. Um, with four players, or sorry, not sealed, but our weird limited format. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not. I, I, and I think it died fairly quickly. So, you know, it, it just kind of goes to show you that, uh, you know, even in this kind of format, we're still, uh, we're still trying to figure out exactly what our decks were doing. Um, yeah, our, 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 our friend Alex also brewed something out of uh, something out of my draft box. Uh, he drafted Tasa Karlov. Uh, then the the third one anyway the the one out of let's see was it guilt of Ravnica or Ravnica and Allegiance I can't remember but the third trip to Ravnica return to return to Ravnica there we go and it's Ravnica Allegiance yeah and uh, that taste is the one that obviously messes around with creature tokens gives them vigilance and also doubles up the death trigger so kind of like the death harmonicon thing and again we didn't really get a chance to see what that deck could really do because obviously we're we're playing commander it's kind of difficult for um for one deck to really take over when we're trying to make him fairly well balanced and also we didn't exactly have all the best cards sitting around for these kind of synergies but i think that was really the point and that's the point of today's episode actually here nick um, is i think we should kind of take a look back at exactly what we were doing and why that this is a really fun way to play commander yeah for sure so what i liked about just brewing on the spot is it's a simulated limited environment you have well your box of cards you usually go through to to build a deck but you, you don't have edh rec at your disposal so i'm just kind of uh I'm reminding myself of the lightning builds that MJ hosts, where I'm just trying to come up with cards to put in a deck as quickly as I can. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a it's a lightning round. But also with the fact that we actually have to have the cards on hand, too. That's exactly. The, that's the real challenge there. It, no help with Moxfield, no gold fishing, no nothing. You literally just have the cards that are in front of you. And it, it, yeah, it's, it really is a sealed format in its own way. Mm -hmm. And this was... I think the first time in a long time where I, I got to go inside of my uh, like bulk, <laughs> like my bulk chaff box and pull out vampires. I'm like, oh, this is good. It's a it's a two two with lifelink that get um, yeah or something like that or a, a two two vanilla vampire that gains flying when you discard a card. 
So yeah, getting value in these otherwise very popular tribes, but just a card that I never would have appreciated except for in the moment. Yeah, I... And in my experience with this format, I I thoroughly enjoyed myself on this one. So we spent about, what, 90 minutes or so building our decks-ish, and then we played one game. We obviously didn't have enough time for a second game, but um, I think the point was driven home that we're definitely doing this sort of event again because we all enjoy brewing. We enjoy playing silly, janky decks. And we still came up with some pretty interesting synergies. I mean, I think all four of us in that game uh, actually were kind of the threat for a little while. So our decks were weirdly balanced. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I thought our decks were weirdly balanced. Um, I was kind of on top for a while. And then when I started um, when I started discarding and then just not recovering from being hellbent, um, that's when other players started to catch up. So it was myself on Aristocrats, Alex on Tesa, um, Greg on like this mono blue pre-con polymorph. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Card Kingdom, by the way, for uh, their Jalira Master Polymorphist pre-con deck that I do actually keep around. And, you know, I ha I'm not going to make any changes to that deck, but it actually turned out to be the perfect level for what we were doing. Mm-hmm. That there's just something so enjoyable about playing low power decks. It it's honestly kind of the experience I used to get out of just buying a pre-con mm -hmm. back in the day. Um, it, no one's really taking over the game at all. We all kind of shined at certain points in the game, and yeah. I think Alex ended up picking it up in the end because. Uh, we just got overwhelmed with creatures or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, and 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 it, just like you said, that it's kind of like having a pre-con, what's even nicer about this is the fact that it's not even a stock list. It's like, we actually spent time going through picking out, cherry-picking out the cards we wanted to put in there, but it's got that same exact feel to it, is that we're, we're all fairly balanced, but there is still room for some absolutely busted cards, uh, to come out of this uh, out of this format, like obviously you were able to create a whole bunch of blood tokens just and then be able to start pinging us for a major damage. Yeah, um, Greg was able, obviously, with the time that Jalira deck can actually go pretty busted with with the way that it's able to just crank out large sea creatures. Alex's deck was really able to create a lot of tokens, and then maybe not so much, maybe not be able to get a whole ton of death triggers off there but was able to certainly fill the board with creatures and take the game my deck was a little bit uh kind of undervalued in this one i think is just because i ended up whiffing on a lot of my cards that i was exiling a deck could have done a little bit more but i think i well i i know i still had a lot of fun with this and my deck actually did scare the table once in a while so yeah we were so <laughs> well balanced that, you know, even a lot of our regular pod games are, are not even like that. Because typically, you know, maybe two of us um, at some point or one person just really dominates a certain game. Whereas this in this one, everyone was kind of the threat at some point. And I feel like that's that was the kind of kind of commander experience that we actually really wanted for this sort of uh, limited environment. For sure. It was a blast. I, I'm already thinking of what I want to build next time. And <laughs> the card I'm thinking of is... Well, I'll preface this by saying that um, 
I am beginning to love the color red again in Commander. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I was like, wow, red is kind of bad in Commander, and white is kind of taking over. So I like Goro Goro, Disciple of Ryusei, which is a two-mana red goblin samurai. Um, it's a 2-2. Two -two. It has uh, two activated abilities. One red, creatures you control gain haste until end of turn. And then five mana, create a 5-5 five five red dragon spirit with flying. Only... And you can only do this if you have an, an attacking modified creature. So I think that's what I'm going to build next time, just on the spot. And I shouldn't think about this too much, because then it really defeats the purpose of the limited deck environment. Yeah, it really does. And yeah, speaking of that limited deck environment, is the fact that Nick and I both had just tons and tons of legendary creatures. I probably have 200 legendary creatures in my chat yeah. box just sitting around. And they go off in so many different directions. I mean, I cannot tell you how many random legends I've picked up over the years that I may not find a use for, but are perfect for this limited environment. And I think that's really the take-home message from this for anyone out there listening, is it may be difficult to obviously do this if you don't have an established playgroup, but if you do have an established playgroup, just bring out those chaff boxes sometime and give this exercise a try. Because, again... It's not going to be that really high-powered commander experience. It's not going to be like going to an LGS or even just playing in your playgroup, playing online. It's going to have a completely different experience to it. But again, here at the MTG and Quarantine Podcast, I do like trying to talk up weird ways to, you know, emphasize the social bits of commander, I guess is the best way to say that. And this was certainly a very social way of doing that because it not only allowed all of us in the brewing section here to really be able to come up with something on the spot because again i didn't know it was in your collection nick and you didn't have no idea it was in my collection so all yeah. of a sudden now we're forced to not only work with the box that we've been working out of but now you all of a sudden have an extra pool of cards to pick from but you have no idea if any of those are useful and a lot of the cards i've ended up picking are are bizarre too so, <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah and they, they don't really fit any particular strategy, but I picked them up for one reason or another over, over time. So there are a lot of things to be put in there. And again, it's not going to be the cleanest commander experience. But I think if you're going for a fun experience and you like brewing, especially if you like brewing more than you do playing, I honestly think this is the kind of format that uh, everyone out there should give a try because it's really fun. You get to play with cards you never would have played with before in a different way. And you just get to try out some new strategies. And who knows? I mean, honestly, Nick and I found new commanders that we're actually going to potentially build for real out of this whole experience. And we may do so again. So, And if nothing else, it's just a really nice afternoon or evening of entertainment that you're going to get out of this. And then getting to play commander. I think that's really the, the social win right there is being able to play EDH with your friends. You know that... Uh, one mono blue stacks card back to basics that's what this exercise was we were going back to basics remember casual magic when we weren't emburdened by the prices of the secondary market and being overwhelmed by new product mm -hmm. well that's what this experience was it lets you appreciate magic the gathering for what it is it's just ah yes remember the days of timmy where you just have <laughs> big stupid creatures that are that aren't complicated the only thing on the card is flavor text I miss those days, and we're a long ways away from that time. Well, Nick, I guess I will tell you that uh, as far as my uh, 
deck that I'm attempting to build, I have pulled my copy of Savannah Lions out there to throw in the maybe pot. Excellent. Excellent. So, because again, there's nothing like a two one with flavor text on it for 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 one white mana in this kind of deck that really yeah. wants to go wide. And I mean, I, I'll say that unapologetically is that you know these are. These are the kinds of decks that I really just enjoy playing. Again, it kind of the more social end of the Battlecruiser style uh, of EDH. And again, it's, it's not for everyone, but I really do think that everyone who enjoys brewing should try to build out of their collection more often. We obviously talk about the cards that we don't have, cards that would go really well in whatever new commander deck's coming out, but sometimes I think it'd be it's kind of a nice challenge to actually try to be able to build something workable, something useful out of a chaff box where you don't have all the staples. I mean, maybe you have Soul Ring, maybe you have the correct kind of Mana Rock, a Signet, or a Clue Stone or something, but just try to build out of your box sometime and see what happens. I've done that several times. Are the decks great? No. But, you know, sometimes you'll never, you, re you really never know what you're going to find until you start finding the fun little synergies and then you start building around that, and then you have a deck that you really enjoy playing. So, yeah, I, I definitely second everything that Nick has said, is that this kind of brings the magic of EDH back in a, in a way. It, it, and it's not that the magic of EDH has ever left for us. It's that we enjoy playing this format, but also this does bring the fun of just kitchen table magic, literal kitchen table magic, because we were playing your kitchen table there, Nick. So it's kitchen table magic, it's okay. feeling at the kitchen table, playing with your friends after you built a brand new deck. This feels exactly like going to school, playing at recess. This is the sort of thing that, uh, for the two of us, we really enjoy doing. And we, and the whole point of this episode is to try to be able to explain how awesome this format was. And you know, hopefully, yeah. get someone else out there to, to give this a try because you never really know. Um, you never really know if you're going to like it until you try it, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking right now of. Like, huh, I've never actually built an uncommon legendary creature as a commander yet, so I think that'll be my next challenge. Oh yeah, I've I've built uh, quite a few. Now, do I keep them? No. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, if anyone out there has listened to Cole's Uncommon Commander podcast, uh, you, you probably will end up hearing about a couple of my Uncommon Commander decks that I have built in the past. So... You know, right. nice, nice little aside for, for a friend. Again, if you want to check his stuff out, you can find that at the Uncommon Commander podcast. You can find that on my Twitter profile. Anywho, any any last bits of advice there, Nick, on uh, if someone really wants to try this sort of format but is maybe a little skittish on, uh, on what they have or, again, what to do if you potentially don't have a play group to do this with, this sort of exercise? Yeah. Um, I would just go to your local LGS and see if they have, like, well, you have to build a relationship with um, the employees first. Ask, do you have a box of just draft chaff that people leave behind that we could rifle through? Because usually it's kind of a burden to these stores to hold on to, like, limited environment garbage. Or do you sound like the um, bulk... You may have a bulk rare box, too. That, yeah, that, they might, that might have work. a bulk rare box. That might work, too. Um... That's where you start. All you really need is the basic lands and then crap that no one wants <laughs> that they pull in booster packs. Because that's the core of what we're kind of doing is we're doing a sealed event with our own collections and just doing it on the spot. Um, other options are... 
identify the player in your playgroup who has been playing the longest. I I was that play at recess kid back in 2007. Um, so I, I have very fond memories of just like, this creature is big. I want to put it in a deck and see what it does. Um, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I think on my end here, uh, the best thing to try to do if you don't have a playgroup, again, is exactly what Nick said, is go to your local game store if you have one. Try to find some cards that just in general work with your commander. If you want to try to optimize later, you can. Just get started. You know, Just do what we did, effectively. Just put a bunch of random cards together. Maybe you have some cards you own. Just try to build a deck around a commander that just catches your eye. Maybe something that's really cheap. Something that doesn't give you value 100% of the time, so it gives you a challenge. I just personally enjoy the puzzle of trying to solve, uh, or, or trying to solve, excuse me, a puzzle from a commander that doesn't necessarily tell you how to do one exact thing. That's why I do the lightning builds, right? And mm -hmm. honestly, just I think for everybody, just give it a try. Try to find a commander that you may or may not normally build. Then just use the cards in your collection if you have an extensive one. Just try to build something on the spot. It doesn't take more than 30 minutes. Just put a pile of cards together, then build a deck and play it a few times. It might not work out. It probably won't work out the first time. But you never know what you're going to run across. I think both of us can attest that this sort of thing works. Yeah. We're interested. We find synergies that we like. These decks are not going to be the best, obviously, but they're they're going to probably show up in our pod here going forward. Yeah, in my closet full of rather strong optimized decks. Building a deck that is eh, not great. It just feels really nice. It's a good change of pace, for sure. And if you like it, you can you can stuff it full of um, EDH staples and make it a strong deck. But then it kind of loses that magic. Um, there's something just really special about having a deck that is bad. And that's the expectation you go into when everyone else is brewing with you. I agree. It's it's the real social aspect of the EDH format coming out in in Battle Cruiser. Honestly, is yeah. You're and... you're not you're not necessarily playing to win. You're playing because you're enjoying what you what you're playing. You're enjoying the deck you've built, and that right there is the payoff. Not necessarily actually being the last one alive at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And because Wizards is pushing EDH as the go to casual format so much um it lets your creativity shine oh and definitely. not to bash a 60 card tabletop constructed i still like that too my friends and i like that i grew up with still do that but there's just so much more flexibility and, and you can just have a single copy commander is a singleton format after all mm -hmm. i don't need four of like kessig wolf or whatever I just need one copy of everything. You need one copy in a dream. That's, yes, that's, that's honestly right. what you need in EDH. And yeah, it's you're right. We're it's really bringing the kitchen table back into kitchen table EDH. It is literally you sitting down with your friends, building something on the spot, and then battling as if you were back on the playground when you were a kid. It's mm -hmm. no different than that, and you can still have a whole lot of fun. Just enjoying the process, enjoying the games. I mean, we're, we're still talking about this a week later, 
we're trying to build these decks a little bit better now that we've had some time to think about it, and we're going to do it again. So I think that demonstrates oh, yeah. the success of this sort of event. Mm-hmm. All right, Nick. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to come on here and talk to me again about this topic. I, we definitely had a lot of fun about this last week. We're going to try to do it again. Who knows what we're going to go after? I have absolutely no pretense of what I'm going to try building. Maybe I'll try something building out something in my box. Maybe I'll, you'll have another Baldur's Gate legend that really strikes me. So we'll see. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. No problem. And if you liked what you heard on today's episode, you can find the back catalog of the entire MTG in quarantine podcast on the usual podcast outlets. That is your Google's, Apple, Spotify, Player, FM, Rocketcast, Pocketcast, Overcast, Breaker, and a million others. I can't remember all of them, but it's a major podcast outlet. You can probably find my stuff on there. You can also find me on Twitter at, at MTG in quarantine. I'd like to utilize this opportunity to give a huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash quarantine. So another huge thank you to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Nick S, Infamous Fridge, Frugal Brutal, Jenna the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach j Geek Beardly, and Scoop Base for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, Head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. And again, I am going to be at Command Fest Bellevue in between July 22nd and the 24th. Definitely make sure to say hi. I will be my t-shirt as well as my tireless tracker cosplay. So definitely make sure to drop by, say hi, maybe play a game and get a picture. And again, that is Command Fest Bellevue between July 22nd and 24th. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine Podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.